Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. Callan, is that how I, can I say it that way? Yep. It's like okay. Alan with a C. Alan with a C. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so you're in Canada at the moment, correct? I, I am. I'm actually in Northern Ontario, Canada, Sudbury. Okay. I Yeah. I, I can't even put it on my mind map, but <laughs> I know where Ontario is. <laughs> um, I'm down here in Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. So I had a pretty productive morning, as you asked. What about you? Did you work out this morning? Get your breathing in? Yeah, this uh, this morning was a, a walk day for me. So we uh, live like on a, on a boardwalk on the water. So uh, I walked the boardwalk. And then uh, came back and listened to uh, podcasts, made some food for the day, nice. got to the office, did a few things. Awesome. What is like one part of your morning that is always something you look forward to that gets you ready for the day? Well, I'm a very like diligent routine person. So uh, I have like a routine that I do every week, uh, Monday to Friday. So I, I walk... Well, depending on weather. So I'll walk three times a week from 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning. I get to watch the sunrise come up over the water. It's pretty, it's breathtaking. Well, this time of year I do. And then two days a week, I do like a breathing routine with some stretching. And then if it's crappy outside, then sometimes I'll do three breathing routines and stretching and only two walks. So I, I really look forward to that every day. And then I have no association to them at all, but I do use the Clever Fox journal system. So Hmm. Then I'll uh, I'll jump into my journal for 15, 20 minutes, look at what's going on for the day, set some goals, just kind of pick like what emotion I want to try to be around the most or hmm. be in the state, uh, the state of that most, the most that day. And then uh, cook some food. You know, I usually listen to a podcast. There's a whole bunch that I really like while I uh, make food for the day. But then I'm out the door, like, you know, either at 10 to 6 or 10 to 7, I'm gone out the door. Yep. And uh, to the work day. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, that gives people like our myself and the audience a little bit about your vibe, you know. And, you know, you come across to me as like that you live by a strong philosophy. And you, there's like a lot of looking at things holistically, you know, and like that kind of confirmed that to me <laughs> that, you know, when I asked you about your morning, you were like, no, well, it's like a Monday through Friday thing. And <laughs> so, you know, I think that says a lot about you, but like, tell me about the other stuff. What's on the CV? What's on your LinkedIn? Who are you? So I guess I, I've spent the majority of my career in high performance athletics. I got involved in the like the personal training industry kind of before strength conditioning was really a thing and then morphed towards the strength conditioning side ended up just, I think by virtue of timing in the industry, uh, the industry was young and timing in the industry and obviously passion and, and determination. I, I ended up working a lot in high end athletics and then ended up working a lot with NHL hockey players. And then from there, I ended up 
actually uh, becoming like the regional strength conditioning coach for Canada's women's Olympic hockey team. Then I work with Rowing Canada as a regional coach as well. And I was part, I've been volunteering uh, and the head coach of our special Olympics powerlifting team here in Sudbury for, I think, six, seven years now. I don't know, time seems to slip slip by, but (laughs) so in 2019, I was part of the head coaching staff for Abu Dhabi for uh, World for Special Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, I was this head strength conditioning coach at Laurentian University's sports program for a decade almost. So uh, my majority of my career, I've been in all around this kind of like high-end sports performance genre. A lot of my successes, I guess, come from the fact that I really do, I really do love like investigating and spending every minute in like how to feel optimal. Like it's like what I, like my morning routine, like it's Mm -hmm. what I really love doing. So uh, I think that kind of obviously helped me be successful in that career. Mm. And then I start, I, I own a, like a, a private elite training center in Northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. And I also am a co-founder of a fitness technology company that provides software to phys ed to help mm-hmm. individualize the phys ed experience for kids. And that's been kind of my last like three years or four years, that's been kind of where I've been shifting all of my time. Mm-hmm. And it's more uh, like an impact thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I've been, I see how elite athletics is inspiring mm-hmm. and, and people watch it and we get motivated by it. It's entertainment. And I think there's a piece of it that pulls us towards the idea of being healthy. But at the same time, it's a very unattainable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you have the genetic makeup to actually be there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something that had like a larger impact mm-hmm. where I could take some of the skills and, and systems and processes that I knew worked and put them to place where they would help more people. So education was obviously the spot where I focused because that removes every different, every barrier to entry, right? Like no matter what a family's demographic is they go to school they take part in phys ed and if you really want to make a massive impact in your country or you know in the world attacking phys ed is really the way to do it so mm-hmm. that became kind of a focus point is try to impact more people yeah well i'm definitely here for that <laughs> i i feel excited to be able to help you build that platform by just having this conversation and putting it on the airways, you know, immediately connected to that in our initial call. And one of the things that grinds my gears, because, you know, I've worked with young athletes for most of my career. This is probably the third year I really haven't. All years prior, I was working in uh, soccer, you know, strength and conditioning and coaching the actual game. And then, um, and one of the things that really grinds my gears is that there are so many, you know, quote unquote professionals in strength and conditioning that try to just mimic what adults are doing for kids, you know, and they just like hold them to these really unrealistic perfectionist standards of you have to move this way and you, and it lost, it got a lot of the play and creativity got lost 
in some of that effort, you know, is that something that you've seen with, you know, younger athletes, hockey and all the sports that you've worked in? As the, the reward in sport has become so much bigger. So like the cost of school, you know, if you're talking about the, the root of, you know, scholarships or, you know, the, uh, so the reward there is massive, right? To be able to get a scholarship or the reward to be, you know, sponsored in some way for a sport, the re- like from some type of brand or whatever, right? Like the reward and an incentive is so gigantic now that it's created such a, like such a hyper competitive place. And I guess that sort of makes mm-hmm. sense. The downside is, is that like, if we just like, take away all our emotions and our opinions, whether like, you know, you're a strength coach that believes in like fast escalation of skills, or, you know, you believe in slow escalation of skills or multi-sport athletes or whatever, you break all that away and just say, okay, what's the numbers? The numbers here are like, you know, 99% of kids don't play competitive sports past high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then out of that, out of that 1% that make it past high school, like fractions of percents actually make it to a point where they're getting paid professionally to play. And that's not like NFL, NHL, like MLB. I'm just like, just talking about playing in some D league or, you know, in Europe or whatever. So, I mean, fractions of that 1%. So if that's the, if that's the actual number that's making it, then to do just to development I think there should be a reflection on making sure that what you're doing is causing these athletes mm-hmm. or kids to fall in love with moving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that they move for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that should be like the primary center of, of your goal. And then when you have someone come along, that's like a genetic masterpiece and has the abilities to, you know, make it out of that beginner landscape or make it out of the 99% who don't keep going, then I think you have to adapt to that person, but we shouldn't be adapting 99% to the 1%. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It's interesting that you come at that even from like, it sounds like you were coaching, you're coaching like weightlifting as well. And (laughs) so it's like an interesting place to, you know, develop that philosophy. What things would you like to see change for the the younger athletes alongside the the stuff that you just said? I think more uh, like education based Mm -hmm. approaches. So more like I have like at our, I've had numerous athletes that have come out of like, you know, university programs who have, you know, like, so they made it out of high school, continue to play. And then, you know, have come back to, Northern Ontario and then joined our gym as a member and don't know what to do <laughs> to exercise. And they played like professional athletes, like they played mm-hmm. at a university level. So I think number one is like putting more emphasis on like learning what mm. you're doing and why as like the strength coach industry for athletics and, and helping athletes, you know, maybe even be involved in building a program and having opinions on the program so they understand the outcomes mm-hmm. so they can tie those together more. I think that's the, the, a big one I'd like to see. Second thing I'd like to see is the, just the 
element of, I guess, and, and I think everyone's on this page now, but like quality of movement over like performance numbers is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, not being in a rush. I always say perf- like athletic development is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. like one summer off season training isn't, isn't, doesn't matter. You know, it's consistency over time in, in fitness. That's all, like the biggest impactor on results always. So understanding that small rates of progressive overload over time is a huge impact over, you know, massive gains of progressive overload in the three month span, and then you don't do it again. Mm-hmm. So I think just the idea of a longer frame of development, yeah. taking your time to get places, you know, and as I think more as a strength coach, the world, I think the strength coach industry, it would be, would really do us all a lot of good to try to commit to a lot of like strong headed thinkers, right? In that space. But it would do us all a lot of good to just try to standardize testing yeah. per, per sport. So we mm-hmm. have a standardized group of tests that we can agree to for soccer and basketball and hockey and what have you. So that when we can do routine assessments with athletes, we can actually understand that, hey, you know what? Like this athlete who's 15 is actually above the charts on like lower body strength and power. Like maybe I should talk to the parents about them spending more time with a skills coach. Like maybe they shouldn't even be in the gym because they're just so far ahead strength and developer and and power wise that there's no point really in them investing a lot of time. And sure you can maintain it, but there's no point in pushing that envelope further. Like I'd like the whole industry to start to standardize so that we can understand how much, you know, squat, what does a, a percentage of body weight squat number look like that is in division one soccer? Like mm-hmm. what is that number? Is it one and a half times body weight for three? Then why are we trying to get two times body weight? Like we should be working on some, we should be working on something else, right? Like we could all kind of been, kind of get on the same page. I think that would do us all a massive service. And I think that e- even though strength conditioning coaches are very independent thinkers, I think it would allow us to even think more independently because it would allow us to evolve other aspects of athleticism because strength conditioning coaches are very creative people and they would be able to, it would allow us to to focus on, you know, maybe developing agility at a faster rate than we're developing it now, or maybe, you know, quickness or maybe it's mobility or what what have you. So I think those are the top three things. Very cool. Well, the optimist in me, you know, does see like more data cleanliness trends starting to happen. And, you know, the pessimist in me sees one big attempt to standardize in in the US has definitely been attempted with something called the FMS, which I, you know, I've got a lot of critical points on that type of testing. And, you know, it's just got like such a stronghold on these, what do you call it, the combines and stuff like that, that it just trickles down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, those are all like, those are really great points in there. You know, thinking about young athletes and being more, I guess, organized across the board 
uh, would also take an organization of like semantics and language as well. I think that's a huge missing piece across different, even trainers in one like small like sector of training, uh, let alone across different sports. And then, you know, take that across to, you know, North America, right? What are some of the things that, you know, that you see with this, the athletic population that led you down the path to working on tech to help teachers and physical education? I'm going to try to summarize this answer. I, why I, got addicted to this career in the first place wasn't like the numbers so to speak like it wasn't like seeing these athletes get better and better and pushing more num like more weight or moving at faster speeds or whatever you know because that gets very addictive that like progressive overload like as these athletes are just continually getting better like that progress is very addictive it was the their state so no matter what mindset they would come into a session in you know, upset, maybe like, you know, in the middle of a trade, whatever it may be, right? Like, or something they've, you know, just family dynamics, like everyone's a, has, is a human, right? Like everyone has the human condition. So there's all kinds of things that can be up and down in your life. So whatever it may be in their life, whenever they would come into a session and exercise, their state would be like dramatically different when they left. Like they're just so happy. You're just so energized. and that's when I really unpack this industry for myself, why I'm passionate about it. I got addicted to that really early. I saw it mm-hmm. and I saw like, that, that's awesome. To be able to have the ability to be in this environment where someone can come in in almost any mindset and leave in this so positive, so self-confident, grateful mindset by exercising. I'm like, okay, I mean, I want to do this for the rest of my life. So that energy and knowing the power of that and then start, you know, you have started having families and, you know, I got a bunch of kids and I'm watching these kids and the kids are coming home and I'm like, Hey, do you, you know, you got a science test this Thursday, you should study. And phys ed, I'm like, as a parent, I got no way to be connected to phys ed at all through the school system. I don't know what's going on. Right. Unless I try to ask and I get some answer out of it that, you know, like we went to the gym and we ran around. Okay. Well, mm. that's not really fitness or physical literacy, you know, like, and, and how can I support it or be connected to it as a parent? Like, how am I bringing any of these, this stuff home, right? I'm helping in math. I'm helping in science. I'm helping in English. I'm involved in the educational process because I'm connected through the homework. I'm connected to the teacher. So, and, and then just seeing the state of, you know, people's health, like, and, and their, and then the anxiety building in the next generation. Mm. So I was like, let's just attack this, you know, and let's come up with a a way to give phys ed teachers who are like way under resourced, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't understand why, because there's enough scientific literature to fill up my car that I'm doing this from <laughs> right now, like to prove that physical activity improves academic results. So I have no idea why that is continually being stripped of resources, but so they need help, mm-hmm. right? And the curriculum is shifting from sport because the ministries or the states realize that, you know, these statistics are real. 99%, like I alluded, I talked about earlier, don't play sport past high school. So we're investing our physical education dollars in teaching kids how to play sport, which is equipping them with zero skills to stay active for the rest of their lives. 
because only about 20% of North Americans take part in like recreational activities. So 80% who learn the skills of playing sports in phys ed in school, 80% of the population never don't have a skill to stay active for the rest of their lives because they don't play sport. So like, it's a big, it's a big problem. So I'm like, okay, well, we got to build a tool, right? We got to build a tool that we can give the teachers that they can give the students that we can basically give them like their own digital personal trainers and they just go in it and not digital personal trainers from the standpoint of telling them what to do, but a, inter, a system that, that allows them to engage and choose things that they would like to do with these kind of barriers around their choices. So they're not picking things that would be inappropriate for them. That's what G's AI for and, and just kind of guided autonomy. Mm-hmm. So because a lot of these kids don't want to be in phys ed, but they have to be. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that client? Yeah. Right. Like you and I are successful in this industry, but people come to us, they want to be there. Imagine you have 30 kids in a class and 25 don't want to be in phys ed. So what do you mm-hmm. do for them? Like you have to give them the power to make choices. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they're not going to, they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to engage, right? They have to be in control of the, of what they feel not intimidating to try or learn physically. What if I told you the biggest thing standing in the way of peak performance is potentially something as simple as changing how you breathe? We at ThinkFitBeFit rely on science for new ways to optimize performance. That's why we've partnered with NeuroPeak Pro and their new product, the Intel Belt. NeuroPeak has developed the next generation of wearable tech. This belt is a real-time training device designed to teach users how to breathe properly in order to strengthen their resilience to stress, recover quickly, and effectively execute the task in front of them. If you're ready to begin unleashing the true power of breath, download the free NeuroPeak Pro app to experience their precision breath training or dive deeper into the science of breath training by visiting thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash NPP. Your best training is a breath away. Have you seen, witnessed like a transition in an adolescent where, you know, they did feel kind of lost in physical education class and then were able to kind of sift their way through to finding, you know, more confidence and fun and joy within their movement? Yeah. I mean, we've only been in the school systems now for, and and in Canada, we we don't have any schools in the U.S. that we work with, but in Canada and in Sweden, we're in some schools, uh, like, so I can talk from those countries. Yeah, we have, you know, testimonials and videos and, and emails from teachers and mm. students all the time about like, I would go into the fitness center and I was intimidated because I didn't know what all these machines were. And I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I, I thought that the gym was only for athletes at my school. I didn't realize it was for everyone. You know, mm. uh, I didn't realize I could do things like, dude, I didn't realize the, the, scope of things I could try, you know, mm. if like if they're scared of, of dumbbells, well, if they have bands, like, you know, there's a series, there's a bunch of things you can do with bands or maybe kettlebells, depending obviously on the school's facility, but there's so many different things you can even do with your body. So I think by, yeah, I have tons of it. I'm watching it happen all the time. 
33% of the students in our program in schools in our program are actually exercising outside of school hours. And we're, we're able to track their engagement. So we know mm. they're actually doing it. That's, that's legit. Do you enjoy reading those emails more than like training your professional players? Uh, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot. Uh, they're different, like, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't say there's a favorite. I, I, <laughs> it'd be great to, to say that, but I can't. Um, yeah. They're so different. Yeah. I think I think uh you get such rewarding a, a lot of the athletes like I primarily now I I spend all my time in like with NHL players so I have a lot of NHL contracts and mm-hmm. you know I've been with them a long time and there's big relationships there and years of success and it's there's so much going on in a in a session now with those folks that I mean it's hard to quantify just like a day of training mm-hmm. you know because there's years of of relationship building and goals and mm. things we've achieved and, you know, contracts that have been hit and, you know, you know, metrics that have been hit in the game. And so there's just so many crazy things, but these, and that is great fuel for me to feel, you know, great about my contribution, but you know, these emails from students or teachers, or when I see the database and I see, the you know the rate of increase in these kids you can't help but get pretty excited because you you know that the potential of this is massive you know like you know Mm -hmm. that your impact could be gigantic if we can you know continually grow it and get it in more and more schools you know it's this is it's a long play like 15 years out this is you know, every gym owner in the, in the world should be calling me and saying thanks because they're going to have mm. thousands and thousands of members. Uh, so, but, you know, I just think, uh, yeah, like you get pretty excited, right? And that's, it gets, feels me like I just get revved up and I feel awesome about it and I want to keep making it better so that the kids have more fun and that the teachers continue to realize that the job they do is massive. I, mm. That was one of the big things when we started working with schools is like, you see it, I see it, phys ed teachers see that when people are physically active, it improves their state of mind. But the boards or the states, it's hard to quantify that. So, mm. you know, if you can tie it by data, you know, and you can you can bring systems into play that allow the kids to, you know, uh, select emojis based off how they feel before exercise and after, and you can start to tie the impact of physical activity to their mental health. You know, the states or the, you know, here, the provinces, the ministry, like that moves the needle with respect to resources. So, I mean, I'm getting excited because just for the first time this year, we've had three schools that we work with in Ontario where their phys ed budget increased. Mm, that's incredible. Yeah, because they were they were able to quantify the impact they're having on kids and take it to their principal and say, "Listen, this is what's going on. You need to bet on me. I guarantee that I can get more kids in this platform and I can have a bigger impact next year. And if I don't, then you can measure the impact. You can measure the investment. And if I don't hit the targets, then I don't. But if I do, then you know I'm going to ask for more. So we've got three schools now have had an increase in budget, the mm-hmm. budget." And now think about that on your community, then think about that nationally and think about that globally. And that's really getting to the bottom of, of chronic disease. <laughs> Truly, it's, 
And last year, I co-authored a course in lifestyle medicine for uh, medical providers. And what that means is to just take a very lifestyle approach to curing and preventing chronic disease. Because even, you know, on the other end of this chronic disease, like you can, there's real proof and, you know, living proof that you can treat chronic disease with healthy lifestyle and exercise. And one of the research papers I dug into was focused on people, uh, adults exercising or trying to exercise in their young adulthood. So like 20s and what their relationship was to physical education in middle school and the correlations of, you know, success or, you know, lack of success in adhering to an exercise program in their 20s had direct influence from their relationship or sorry, their memories of uh, physical education, being embarrassed uh, or winning every game or, you know, all the the bullying in between. But, you know, so I fully, uh, you know, understand what that means and also how a positive experience in my, you know, uh, young athletic and physical education experience, like influenced me today and gave me so many tools to take care of myself when, you know, I, it's, you know, I, the, the journey that I've had with being able to share physical confidence and strength with people is so deep and intertwined with uh, not just my survival, but also like learning how to thrive from a place of survival. So yes, I I'm, yes I get it. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm just so excited to hear all of this. This is something you know I've been kind of wishing and hoping for. Like, can we get data? Can we help see help others in? Uh, decision-making positions see the impact of health and, you know, just plain old, you know, having fun and sweating a little bit while you're doing it to like everyday performance, whether that's academics or just charging your battery to be able to be nice to your children, right? Like, (laughs) you know, because if like you're at 20% battery, and you're not taking, you know, that 45 minutes for yourself, you're only giving that much to your family. So learning how to take care of yourself at a young age. I mean, there's just so many benefits, as you said. Wow. What kind of things that are in this program that help build accountability and self like trust, like for the, for the athlete, for the adolescents? I guess, um, we use like a lot of like just kind of positive reinforcement. So we have, you know, suggested days that they're active and they're just suggested so they can be active as much as they want. Um, and we have streaks. So, you know, if they're active three, every three days, their streak grows. So we have like positive reinforcement tools to help them build the skills to continually, you know, keep build this lifestyle. So that's kind of stuff. And then there's the data for them, right? So Mm -hmm. they're able to 
uh, we use like a, a like machine learning code to get feedback from them based off how they're interpreting the way exercises feel. And then we progress or regress those exercises. So generally, a lot of times in adolescent, because, you know, they're in an androgynous state, they're, they're very hormonal. If you, if you, you know, expose them to this very basic exercise, they get better very quickly. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you can quantify that though, the next generation's grown up with technology, right? Like they, mm. they, it's, they don't look at it as a barrier at all. Like they look at not using technology as a barrier to moving forward because they see it as a tool they can leverage to get information faster. So when you can spit back to them, like, Hey, by the way, like last week, you know, you improved by 2.4% across your upper body and you moved, you know, 3000 pounds last week, you know, <laughs> that's great. Uh, when you can flip this information back to them on a regular like standpoint, it's more about giving them the positive reinforcement, like about all these cool things that are happening and allowing them a dashboard to see it and measure it that kind of creates the accountability because they get excited about, you know, you know, continuing on, or you've done, you know, uh, 30 hours of yoga this month, cool. right? Cause we yeah. have yoga in our product as well. So like, you know, you've maybe done 30 hours of yoga. So there's, these things are just kind of reinforcing this, you know, behavior and they're able to kind of, like I mentioned earlier, they're able to kind of, like build and swap and, and explore exercise routines. It's not just something that's like carbon copied, like, no, go do this thing, right? Like it's, it's, a, it's a learning platform. So a lot of the outcomes we're getting with respect, to, I guess your question is, you know, accountability. It's that we flip the accountability around and put it into a explore, exploration and learning activity. So mm-hmm. the accountability mm. comes because they're in control of the choices. Mm. So yeah. the accountability kind of disappears under the rug because we've flipped it into being an exploration about their interests. Mm-hmm. So there is no question of accountability because they're just constantly picking things that they'd like to try. <laughs> yeah. So Got they're in, they're engaged, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that all uh, the word organic comes to mind. If you're able to find something you enjoy, um, there's so many flavors of exercise and that's what I know. Right. (laughs) And sometimes that, you know, people get lost in that and to their detriment, maybe because they don't have like enough, questions or information presented to them that helps them engage in the thing that could be, you know, their, their favorite, their go-to type of movement. Yeah. I had a chat with a client yesterday and I, I work more in like athletic training and the therapy side of things now. And she said, you know, she's, well, she's a, she's a professional, um, like a, you know, adult professional working. And she said, man, I went to a Pilates one-on-one the other day and I'm so sore. And she just kept talking about how she did not exercise at all over this whole period of time during COVID because she just didn't feel comfortable enough with her movement and 
just overall confidence about like exercising on her own. And I was like, geez, yeah, you, you this is, that's a problem, you know, and I'm just glad that we're moving in the right direction now. You know, I didn't really, there was nothing for me to say. We were just doing our work, but opened my eyes to just some of these concepts and the consequences of not enjoying and not having joy and not having satisfaction from your movement and your exercise practice. So what are your hopes in, you know, sharing this now through a podcast, through talking to people? What can our audience do to, you know, support this vision or anything in that category? How can we help be just, service? Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, if your parents, you know, parents have a powerful voice in schools. If your parents, you know, you, you got to, you just go to your school and you know, go to your parent council and be like, Hey, there's this program rep performance and it improves physical literacy and, and kids and physical fitness skills and it individualizes the pathway. And I think we should get it for our school, you know, and start, you know, pounding on the school's doors and, and, you know, getting them to, to latch into our program and bring it into their schools. So that's a big one as parents. If you're not a parent, if you're maybe in education, then, you know, if you're whatever, if any subject you teach, it doesn't matter, you know, you can talk to your school about it. You could, you know, give us a, a shout out on our social media channels. Like, I think we've sent all those things to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you can give us a shout out and just give us a like and, and really just like us, right? Like everybody, uh, mm -hmm. when you're doing the job every day, you forget to tell yourself you're doing a good job. So, mm -hmm. I mean, hey, just... I, I would go, you, your audience would have no idea the impact it would make on my team. If someone just, you know, dropped on our social media, like, I love what you guys are doing. Keep going. Like that's massive. You know, mm. when you're going every day, you just, you get buried in the weeds and you have no idea you forget to celebrate. So I, as small as something <laughs> like that for an audience member would be huge or, or, you know, go to your school and say, Hey, I think we should do this. So, that's uh, why I'm out here talking and, and I'm, you're gracious enough to have me on your show and I'm so grateful to do it. And I just want to get out and talk about it and get people coming to check us out. That's awesome. What are the social media handles that you're, you guys are most active on? So uh, we're, the team is active on all of them. So like we have a, a LinkedIn account, like Rep Performance. I think it's just rep performance on LinkedIn. You can just search me on LinkedIn, like Callum McGiven on LinkedIn. You could go to uh, our website, which is www.repperformanceapp.com. Um, on there, there's links to all our social media accounts. Like we have Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I would say probably Instagram and Twitter are our most popular ones. But, you know, that's the, yeah. the, the, the gateway is really through the website. You can go to anywhere you want to go after you get to the website. There's links and things like that. And there's yeah. videos of kid, kids sharing like, you know, how, how different they feel now about physical activity and stuff like that on our site. So, and there's, you know, there's a blog on there, there's articles about movement and we should probably try to tie into you and, and get you to write something for us and put it on there. So I, I think, you know, like we're just pounding the streets with information. For me, like as someone who is working with uh, middle school and high school athletes and the kids are coming back and I'm getting their feedback about, you know, the the work that what they learned from me is actually still serving them throughout college and now they're out of college. And and it's just so rewarding to have helped them stay engaged and be engaged. And 
So yeah, I hope everybody in the audience can get a taste of that and be a part of, you know, a, a bigger movement for healthier movement, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, yeah, write that, underline that one. Um, yeah, that's all right. a good one. Yeah, thank you, Callan, so much for being here. And, you know, I hope you have a great morning and a great week. And I can't wait to get this out to our audience. Your The website is reperformance, like repperformanceapp.com, correct? Yep. Okay, you great. You got it. All right. Yeah. So all that stuff will be in the show notes. And I can't wait to hear from the audience on this one. We have some really cool, big thoughts and big ideas coming this season. Thank you so much. Oh, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough. It was awesome. Thanks for doing it. And thanks for like, you know, I'm sorry I did my car. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's good. You know, the podcast world is forgiving because they know that this is, this is the real raw deal, right? <laughs> this is proof. <laughs> this is proof. It's the real raw deal. I'm going to start driving to, uh, to finish my drive. I'm only about five minutes from their house. Okay. Cheers. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. See you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.